practices or even reflective thinking is not analytical, so it's, it's using thought to notice, to pay attention, where when you start thinking usually you're thinking about something and you you can lose your awareness because you get involved in what you're thinking of, which is, which is abstract ideas or concepts, where reflective thinking is always establishing this presence of here and now, the way it is, this, this uh, the way it is, is a thought pointing to this present moment to notice, observe. So both in, in terms of the way it is, is pointing to the all that is present now, so everything included from internal, emotional feeling to the uh, atmosphere or the environment around one. So this uh, attitude of awakening or paying attention, the sati, the Pali word sati, our ability to, to be fully present not not lost in thought in in memories of the past or plans for the future. <coughs> so it's establishing this awareness in very obvious conditions that are going on at this moment, such as the breath, the breathing of the body is happening right now, the posture of the body, we're sitting. Uh, throughout the day we are either sitting, standing, walking or lying down. So the body, the breath, uh, kind of ways of bringing attention to the most obvious facts. This is the way it is. Breathing is like this. So it's not, why do I breathe like this or is my breathing normal? Then it gets into thinking and, and comparing. But whatever <coughs> way of breathing is the way it is. And that's all you need to know, this is what the way it is. It's just this, this noticing, non, it's non-critical. You're not criticizing or comparing. So then the Bhutto or the Buddha is the one who knows the awakened state of being. So in in the Thai forest tradition, uses this mantric form Bhutto as a as a reference point. They use it with the breath, inhaling on boot, exhaling on toe, the way of focusing or concentrating attention on something like the inhalation, exhalation. But it also is a refuge. <coughs> this Bhutto then is the witnessing ability to observe 
and reflect, to notice, to be fully with the present. So in, in uh, they say the one who knows, Tae Puru, or the one who, the translation is the one who knows. But there isn't anyone that knows anything, it's knowing. It's a direct knowing, it's not personal knowing about. So getting it very clear what, what knowing is as a conscious entity in the present. Like with language, we, we can know about all kinds of things, but oftentimes we completely ignore the way it is. We don't know the way it is, we know how it should be, maybe. Or how it shouldn't be, but the way it is, is a different use of the mind, instead of, of uh, judging, criticizing, comparing, it's receiving paying attention. So this is a, a natural state of being, you know, to, to really be mindful, you need to relax. You know, you use the, the trying to be mindful is not the right way of thinking. The effort of trying means you're not mindful. So it's because it's easy to conceive the word mindfulness. You know, mindfulness is paying attention, grasping the meaning, and then trying to do something according to what you're grasping, some idea of mindfulness. So what I'm saying is, mind, don't, it does, you don't define it, you just recognize that mindfulness is this way. So it's a reflection, not trying to to define the word sati for you, but to encourage you to recognize mindfulness is is here and now. So when you try to become mindful, you the very act of I've, I'm somebody who's not mindful and I need to develop and become mindful when we come from this position, then we're, we're grasping, we're starting out of ignorance, and I'm somebody, I'm a person who's not mindful, needs to become mindful, and I've got to try to be mindful, where mindfulness isn't something that you become or try, but recognize it's just this sense of presence of being it has no form it has no boundary to it so that's why it's, it's when you try to conceive it you're putting it into some kind of form an idea of some sort or definition and that's why it doesn't work, because it's not that way. It's uh, trusting yourself to recognize, realize this. So it has this, this uh, 
boundlessness to it, receiving everything as it is. You know, everything belongs in this moment. Whether you like it or not, doesn't matter. Whatever you're feeling, whatever things are happening in the in the in the place, whether it's quiet or noisy, hot or too hot or too cold, it all belongs. And awareness includes everything. It doesn't separate or divide. Sati Sampachanya, Sati Panya, in Pali, these Sampachanya has this sense of uh, apprehension, of, of uh, apperception, with this kind, which is an intuitive embracing. It includes everything, perceiving, thinking, feeling, sensory impingement. And then Panya is discerning. So the Panya faculty is dis- it's not a critical function. You're not you're not comparing saying one thing is better or right or wrong what you're discerning is the way it is. And this is uh, where the insight develops because of discerning the conditions as conditions. So you have in Vipassana the <coughs> discerning all conditioned phenomena is uh, impermanent. The Pei Cha. So to know conditions as conditions, and that means anything from refined uh, subtleties to coarse matter, to to the macrocosm, microcosm, all conditioned phenomena, whether it's mental, physical, subtle or coarse, all it arises ceases. So it's discerning this, noticing the conditions as conditions. So you can see it's not it's not a, it's not saying condition phenomena is somehow lesser than the unconditioned. It's not taking sides, is it? And then you have to do that. You have to start, you know, thinking logically and and comparing and 
and taking sides with one over the other. But panya isn't isn't critical. So bad, evil, ugly, despicable, uh, coarse, um, all the things that we don't like, we don't also belong in this mode. If they arise, then we di- the discerning ability, the panya, to know that what arises ceases. So it's a receptive embracing so how many of you do you know in, in monastic life and you're living the holy life you <coughs> we tend to judge things make value judgments or moral judgments and uh, we, be, we can become, you know, very resistant and fighting and trying to control or get rid of, conquer evil forces. And these kind of ways of thinking are very natural to us because that's how the thinking mind works. Resist evil, develop the good, um, get rid of the terrorists. in order to create uh, freedom and democracy. So that's, that's a logical way of thinking. But in terms of awareness, intuitive awareness, evil also is, you know, if it arises and it belongs, it's part of the... And the discerning faculty, then the panya, is noticing what arises ceases. So your relationship to good and evil is not one of of taking sides, but of recognizing the the common ground of what arises ceases. Now thinking uh, is a function of the mind, but it's limited. So you, you know, one thought goes on to another thought. <clears throat> so when when you're trying to understand through thinking and analyzing, you you can only go so far, and then it then it does. You know, you can't. You have to let go of thinking. So, what is it, awareness, where there's no thought? Where 
we're conditioned to think in our education uh, you know everybody we feel we don't notice when we're not thinking <clears throat> we tend to you know create ourselves and create the world with our thoughts our habits so we we're always thinking about ourselves thinking about me and mine and what I like and I don't like and who who I get on with and who I don't get on with and we create Chithurst that Amravati we create these are these are all through thought thinking isn't it it's through through um, our ability to conceive these things like I can conceive Amravati while I'm sitting here <coughs> so I remember Amravati I can even picture it in my mind and that is uh, you know I'm creating that is that Amravati this picture in my mind this 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 thought this uh, perception or is it what I create in, uh, while I'm sitting here at Chitters you know so you begin to notice that that what you think is not re the reality of anything you know it's, it's not uh, it's, you know, it's, it's the person you're thinking of right now is not the person you think of Ajahn Sujito right now that's not Ajahn Sujito is it? it's your thought, your memory your creation, it's a creation of Ajahn Sujito in terms of the reality of this moment <coughs> so you notice this you know, I'm not saying it's wrong anything wrong in creating a perception of Ajahn Sujito because it's just naturally part of our huma humani humanity to we have retentive memories an ability to create ideas and great language but exploring reality is my perception of Ajahn Sajito is that him is that the real Ajahn Sajito or is that that's based on memory isn't it on my memory of him so it's put in that context of sanya which is impermanent, isn't it? It's a nicha dukkanata. And so the discerning, the panya, is develops through noticing the way it is. The way things are, not saying how they should be, but the way it is. Now the constant factor through all this change is awareness as you as you realize or recognize and appreciate this you know it sustains itself it's a natural state of being it's not a created state depending on conditions supporting it like samadhi to get jhanas and things like that you have to have conditions supporting it 
samadhi is formed, so it, it's, uh, it's taking consciousness into a form, putting consciousness into a form, and, and then creating that form through concentrating on it by excluding everything else. where sati is formless but includes all the forms the, you know the, the it uh, embraces all conditioned phenomena so the panya is is uh, is the ability to discern the base and karanicha all conditions are impermanent not not project this is some kind of <coughs> Buddhist principle that you project onto experience, because that's fooling yourself again. You think you understand because you, you've got, you, you understand the idea of it. But that's not reflective, is it? It's, it's merely analytical. You project your ideas onto experience. Well, here, if thinking is necessary, then it, it's pointing to the way it is. It's you're not projecting things, thoughts onto things, but noticing, observing. So then I found like awareness practices, learning to trust awareness. Because when I think about it, am I really being aware? Am I really aware right now? Am I fully mindful? Then, then of course I get caught in doubt. And, and because I, I don't trust my own, ex- the reality of my awareness. Because I, I mistrust myself and I, I think I, I could be wrong, I might be wrong, maybe I'm not fully aware now. And then go on like that, then one's just endlessly caught in self-doubt, which is kicha, which is, uh, uh, you know, until you really recognize this, which is kicha will always torture you, no matter how many years of practice. So, so um, this is an act of self-trusting in the reality of this moment. And so when you think about it, you won't be able to trust it. This is really trusting in just pure attention, receiving this moment as is, the way you're feeling or emotionally feeling, or physically feeling, or experiencing this moment. Now I notice when I do this, then I, I teach this uh, reflection on the sound of silence. It's just a background kind of resonating, vibratory, experience, which is 
observable. It's this way. <coughs> so the mind then, my, my conscious experience then is op fully open. Thinking ceases. I'm fully conscious, I'm not in a trance, I'm not absorbed in anything. So this for me is where I recognize that awareness is like this. And so this is through relaxing and rece receiving, not trying to get it. Like people that try to get the sound of silence, they conceive it as something, try to find it. That doesn't work. So this is a trusting yourself. This is more of relaxing, receiving, opening to this present moment, and even observing your own one's own tendency to try to figure it out, or even to, how should I relax, or <laughs> or how to. How to, how to be mindful and try to figure it out. So, don't try to figure it out. If you're, if you're totally confused by what I'm saying, just be aware of that. I'm feeling totally confused. So learning to, to rest in this state of awareness and, and appreciate it, like I, you know, I really value this. If, if without this, then, then my life is incredibly complicated. If I have no escape from my thoughts, or the conventional world that I live in, then, I, then it, it just gets very complicated. You know, being Ajahn Sumedho and senior monk and all this kind of thing, and then duties and responsibilities. I've got, I'm an Upacharya. I have, I ordain monks and nuns, and I have to. I'm a teacher, I'm Ajahn, I'm responsible for teaching, for training, for, for, you know, being an exemplary, being an example to everybody. I'm, I've got to, you know, I've traveled a lot, I've got to keep the connections to Thailand and on and on like this and see the complicatedness, the heaviness of the conditioned realm of just being a Buddhist monk. Without any way to to not be anybody. You know, so if, if you don't value this awareness, because then you're back to zero, I'm nobody. There's nothing. It's just this. There's presence. There's awareness. 
thought ceases, emotional habits, if you're just patient with what you're feeling or emotional experiences you're having, if you just accept them and receive them, they, they, they'll settle down. So in, the, in awareness, it's like, like zero, isn't it? It's just, it allows everything to, to disappear, escape from the world. So then this is, this is the path, the path, a full path really, learning to, uh, when we use the word bhavana, the Pali word it means, cultivating this, developing it in, in uh, daily life. So in terms of monastic life, the bhavana is isn't you know sitting and doing formal meditation practice endlessly, but in awareness, in uh, in connected awareness, learning how how you know because you in moments we have flashes of where we're aware, especially like you notice in situations that are life threatening, you become aware very quickly. You know the when you're driving a car or but and in uh, extreme situations awareness sometimes we're very much aware but in the ordinariness of life we can we can we become totally neurotic you know we sit in our coochies and worry and resent and disparage ourselves and endless misery while you know while you know because there's no wild bears trying to get in the door or or uh, you know I- any life threatening events happening <laughs> and then middle class <coughs> middle classes throughout the world is where the mo- the neurotic or the neurotic the neurosis tend to to be isn't it people become anxious and worried and and that when life, when you're just surviving on a survival level, you don't think about yourself. You know, you learn how to get what you need to survive. So in the Buddha's teaching is pointing to, you know, like the monastic form, alms mendicancy, not, not spending a lot of time to get more and more things to survive on, but learning to be content with the four requisites, using that as a standard of reference for what is, you know, what we, we need in terms of, of, of material things for survival. It's good enough, say, here at Chitter's food, shelter, robes, medicine. Then uh, notice that that how the mind might think, well, we need better robes or better food. <laughs> and then we, we can, uh, 
you know, we start thinking again how something could be better than it is. But this is where you, you want to use these reflections for noticing how your mind works. So, you know, the food, it is, the food is not that good and one could imagine having better food and spend the day, you know, plotting how to get better food rather than noticing this adequate then this sense of contentment with the four requisites because we always have you know here in England our monasteries are well supported so in terms of requisites they're usually at a higher standard than than um, we expect so so there's this contentment sense of, in, the, in terms of this moment, it's all okay, fine, you know. Roof over my head, is, uh, things seem to be, you know, there's no danger, there's no, uh, there's always enough food and Robes, good enough. Medical opportunities, options, good enough. So you develop this sense of contentment. So our life is on mendicants, uh, is for contentment. Being content with little, not, not, you know, because if we can imagine how what we like, then we're never content. You know, there's always we can always imagine something better than what we have. So, so you can you never find contentment that way. <clears throat> and this is a foundation for awareness, like contentment, gratitude. These are heart-opening experiences. Your heart. Your sense of, of, you know, these these make you feel human and, and wholesome and they and and joyful when you when you have content when you feel content and grateful for what is offered for the opportunities for the teaching for for the four requisites that have been offered. So your your heart then is opens, you become you kind of relax inwardly. Uh, but if you're not content and not grateful, then you you know it's complaining and and criticizing and thinking that should we should have more of this or less of that. And got to and and so then that creates this uh, this uh, you know. It, you can't, you can't really, uh, until you, you are willing to be aware of this, you'll never find joy. You'll never develop piti sukha in the holy life if, you, if you're always trying to, you know, get things you don't have or complain about the things you have. So this is very important in, the, in monastic life, this sense of... Uh, <clears throat> being content with little, grateful, 
จะตั้งอยู่กับตัวเองทีส่วนเรื่อง developing the path is quite simple <coughs> and that's the, the monastic form helps support that because it's a simple lifestyle you know, it's, it's simplification of everything if you, you just eat what you get and you, you know you don't have to think about what you want to eat or you wear robes you don't have to think about what you're going to wear today or how to you know arrange your hair or you know trying to you know make everything better and it's on a campaign to improve and make things better because that never ends this goes on and on and on So <clears throat> it doesn't mean we don't do make things better, but that's not the purpose of our life. is is to make the worldly life, you know, you know, fit into the ideals we might have of what should be. But it's in in resting in this point of attention of awareness, and it and it you find it's a natural state. It's a, it's not created. I don't create this. It's not something I have to tell you. I have to stop talking and and turn away toward the Buddha Rupa in order to be mindful. So right now at this moment, even though I'm talking like this, there's awareness. I know there's awareness. And it includes all of you and everything that's happening in, internally, inside me, and externally. So in his awareness, there's no, I can't find, I don't create myself anymore. I'm, I'm conscious, there's consciousness. But there's no tomato in it, unless I start thinking about it. <coughs> there's consciousness, it's not, it's not male or female. Consciousness and awareness is not; it doesn't have any gender to it. Unless I create, I'm a, I'm a man, then I, then I create that as a condition in the present. My identities, 
I'm American. There's like another condition I can create. But in the, in the pure awareness, there's no there's no ethnic quality, no race, no gender, <coughs> no personality. <coughs> No religion, not even Buddhists. But it's intelligent, it's discerning. Like this, this awareness. It's a universal, isn't it? It's universal intelligence. It's not personal knowledge. It's not acquired. <coughs> intellectual knowledge that you get at a university. So, and you appreciate this, it's like this. And developing that is recognizing that and then and then, as throughout the day you know whether one's sitting standing walking lying down be reminding yourself so when you're walking or just standing like because i travel i've developed this through like go, waiting in queues in airports so going through immigration waiting for uh, the baggage to arrive when i've you know, I used to find my, the way I'd react to traveling, I'd go to Australia or someplace like that and then I'd be waiting in the queue to get through immigration and then I'd be having this restless feeling when it, you know, the queue's too long and I have to wait, somebody's, and I'm, I'm already trying to, to get out the door of the airport while I'm waiting in the queue. So instead I, I developed practice of just listening to the sound of silence while being in this line and observing. Just the flow of things going, you know, waiting for the bags to appear on the track. On the track, so you... <laughs> and just, you know, everything becomes part of, you know, you, you, you use life for awareness rather than seeing going to the airport somehow can't be can't really practice there. Like if you get into fixed views about what good practice is, then you can only practice when the conditions allow it, allow good practice to be like formal meditation retreats and whatnot. But that's not it. Because one one can then one can oftentimes get very attached to ideas of what good practice is and not see the attachment to it. So you see that the monastic form is, uh, you know, it's for a flowing in it, a kind of, it's a way of living. It's not a technique that depends on you know, controlling conditions, and I and I'm having ideal 
supportive condition. When you're an old mendicant, you're taking a risk, aren't you? You, you lose control of you know, basic things like being fed, getting food. I found with this that you appreciate and value awareness and then then of course it you know you, you, the, the, it's, a, it's, it's always present you know so it connects it's it's a, it's a way it's a way of being of living in the present it's not it's not a, a, like samadhi certain kinds of refining a conscious experience takes control, but this doesn't take control, just remembering, opening, trusting. There's this uh, sense of surrender, relaxing, opening are words I find more conducive than attaining and getting and trying and becoming. Those words don't make any sense for this. Trying to become more mindful sounds silly. You know, you're deluding yourself because you're you're seen as you're you're not recognizing that you've got you're idealizing mindfulness. It's some kind of attainment that you should develop. That's thinking again, isn't it? So it's not a matter of, of you know when you see yourself, I'm not very mindful. That's another creation that you're making. But you can be aware of that, you know, I, I, I feel I'm not very mindful, Is that's a thought I'm creating in the present. <clears throat> I create myself in the present. I am unenlightened, I need to practice meditation in order to become enlightened. So then if, if this is my my modus operandi, this is where I start from, I'm sitting here, I can spend years, a whole life, sitting, operating from, I have got to become enlightened. And I never will. <laughs> because I'm starting from ignorance, isn't it? I am somebody who is unenlightened and if I practice hard, live the holy life, keep all the rules, be a good boy, I might get enlightened before I die in the future and so that, that might be all, you know, 
better than operating from just uh, total hedonism and stupidity, but <laughs> but it's not liberating because you're starting from from avicca or ignorance. I am somebody. So right, you know, when you you know, you can actually hear yourself feeling that, thinking, "I am, I am this person. I have, I have, still have a lot of anger and a lot of lust, and I get jealous, and I have a lot of fears and anxieties, and and these are not very good, and I don't like them. I want to get rid of them, uh, so that I can become a better person and become maybe an enlightened person in the future." Uh, and so forth. So then you, you, you know, you're. This is a creation, isn't it? I'm creating this through thinking. I am these conditions that I experience. The anger I have is mine, and uh, I, I don't want. I don't like my anger. You know, I don't want to be angry. Uh, I don't want to be jealous. I don't like this, and I've, I've got to practice in order to get rid of it. So this is, this is if this is where you start from, you 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 won't end up with being liberated, because this this is a delusion you're starting from. I am these things, this person. So awareness, you can I can hear myself thinking, I am this person with these uh, with these uh, emotions that I don't like. That's a creation I'm making right now, right in front of you. I'm thinking that. The awareness knows that that is thought. So, you know, you see, it's, it's a, it's, if you don't think that, uh, what are you then? If you don't create yourself, <clears throat> so when when there's no no creation going on, that there's awareness, it's like this. It's insight, you know. It's, it, this is the way it is. I feel this. I hear this sound of silence. I'm, there's consciousness. I'm fully not asleep not in a trance. I bring, I'm aware on the, on the, on, on the, of the whole. I can, suddenly I'm aware of, suddenly I've just become aware of, of some tension in my body. It came, just through opening. It just came on its own. I wasn't, you know, I've got to get rid of all the tensions in my body. It's some kind of, program practice. And in this, <coughs> in this, uh, and it's awareness connects, it's ongoing, it's continuous. It's, it's self-sustaining, I don't create it. And it's learning to trust it, recognize it and trust it. That is the, uh, the developing the path of liberation.
<coughs> I find that, that the problem with, with most, uh, especially Western uh, Buddhists, monks, nuns, lay people, <coughs> is that we understand things quite easily, you know, so Buddhist uh, philosophy, Buddhist theories, we get the point of it on that level that we don't have the faith like in uh, a Buddhist country, like Thailand people have a lot of sadha it's culturally part of the culture or cultural conditioning and we don't tend to have that because most of us come into Buddhism as, uh, as adults we're not culturally conditioned by it so we, we're easily we understand the theories, Buddhist ideas, quite easily. So, uh, then we think we, we know it, you know. We, we, but it, it doesn't change anything. We still suffer enormously, even though we, we're experts on Buddhist Abhidharma and all the rest, you know. we. <coughs> We don't, you know, we find no liberation through that kind of knowledge, because it is conceptual, isn't it? And it isn't, it isn't a matter of faith anymore. Sada, sada comes through panya, through wisdom, through through knowing things as they are, through insight, not through uh, an intellectual grasping of of Buddhist ideas. So, you know, I find that the sadha developing, total faith in this, confidence maybe, maybe confidence is a better word. So, so like this morning trying to encourage you to trust in your own experience, not in terms of my experience, but in in the simple awareness, imminent imminence of awareness, it's this way. Trust yourself. Even it doesn't seem like much, you know, in terms of a worldly mind. You can't get your teeth into it and hold it up as some kind of attainment and prize. So it is humbling. It, it, you can't you can't go around congratulating yourself and, and getting rewards for it. So it's, uh, but it is, it's that subtlety of, and trust in one's immediate experience, opening to this present moment as is. And this, of course, is like budget tongue way to you have to know this for yourself. This can't be kind of I can't give you this and 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 uh, make you aware. <laughs> and if I could, I would. 
I can't. Uh, there's no point in expecting that. <laughs> but in terms of, of uh, you know, encouraging you, we need encouragement. You know, if I say, you're not very mindful and you should be more mindful, you know, if, I, if that's how I, I approach you, you know, so, so I say, you're not very mindful, you should be more mindful, then that, you know, maybe that's true. On, on, but yet, on a, you know, how does that feel? It make, it, 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 it confirms the sense of yourself as a person who's not very mindful. And then, then I blast you by yelling at you, you should be. You're not a very mindful person and, and you should be more mindful than that. So that kind of treatment, what does it do? It, it kind of confirms the delusion that I'm a, not a very mindful person. <laughs> and then I've got to become more mindful. But if I, but what I'm doing now is I'm not, I'm not criticizing any of you or telling you that you've got to be more mindful. I'm trying to encourage you to trust in, your, in the, the reality of mindfulness. Because it's you, you know, it's really yours. It's your true nature. It's not something that you don't have. And that is, uh, so, you know, some quality that uh, is very rare and that you've got to hopefully attain in the future. It's so basic, so natural, so immediate that there's, uh, you know, it's not, it's not the issue of, of seeing it as an attainment or, or even believing the, the, the idea that you, you aren't. You know, don't go, don't hold on to any perception of yourself as being a very mindful or not very mindful person. It's, it's, that's not, that's an illusion anyway. So it's learning to, this is it for me now. It's natural, it's easy, it flows, it's available here and now. Santitiko, Akaliko, Ehipasko. Opanayako, Vajata. You say that every day. <laughs> so apparent here and now doesn't mean it's it's remote, is it? It's not. Oh well, the Dhamma is apparent here and now. Well, uh, I don't see any Dhamma. <laughs> doesn't seem very apparent to me. As I'm thinking, isn't it? I'm looking for something, something rare something rarefied, maybe, that I conceive as Dhamma, something very abstract, you know, something terribly refined, and to course, and Santitiko Dhamma is very refined, so I can't see it, you know, because I'm so coarse. And this is a, this is the uh, avicca again, this ignorance. So, in, in awareness, you know, the course is Santitiko Dhamma when you see it. I'm just, I'm just a, an emotional wreck in two course to see the Dhamma now is a 
When I see that as Dhamma, that very assumption, it arises, it ceases. It's uh, anicca, dukkanata. What's left when there's no, no personality? And then, then there, there is, you know, that that's a relief, that's liberation. To become a person is always suffering. I suffer as a person. When I become my personality, then I then I suffer a lot because my personality it was developed out of ignorance, out of avicca. So. It, Personally, even in monastic life, I've suffered a lot, personally. But that's not my refuge. It's not, it's not. That personality, that person that suffers is a, is a aramana, an arom, it's a creation. I, I no longer believe in it or value it or trust it. So the awareness transcends the personality's creation. You know, I, you've hurt my feelings, and you don't respect me, and uh, all that kind of feeling. I'm quite capable of feeling, but I don't believe in it because I know it. It is. It is what it is. You know, it arises, ceases, but it's not. It's anatta. It's conditioned, it's habit, hab- it's a momentum of habit, it's karma. So the, the path thing is apparent here and now. This is the path. And it's not like a worldly path. <laughs> but in terms of pavana, isn't it? It's Learning to trust it, just being here and now, using the things that happen to you, the, the, the habit patterns, emotions, the, the memories and so forth, the external conditions for reflection rather than <coughs> for identity, for getting caught up in taking sides, liking or disliking. So, like, like liking is like this. I like sunny weather. Awareness of what liking is is this way. And disliking, I don't like cold, damp weather. Not like. And awareness is isn't isn't. Uh, taking sides, it knows things as they are, liking, disliking, being attracted, being repelled, preferring, uh, all these conditions that we experience, you know, are seen in terms of Dhamma, what arising, ceasing, rather than <coughs> believing in that, that if we could have sunny weather all the time, and I could have everything the way I want it here at Chithurst, 
the way I think it should be, then I'd be permanently happy here. <laughs> uh, so that that is uh, that's not the way things are. You know, that's not dhamma. That's that's uh, an idealism. You know of of imagining the best, you know, how things should be totally fair and and uh, harmonious. We should be totally harmonious community, everything fair, uh, every, everybody, you know, practicing in the right way and all the, how things according to an ideal of how it should be. And then, uh, then when we, we, you know, that's all very nice, you know, ideals are beautiful, they're inspiring. But this moment is not an ideal, is it? This moment is the way it is. This is not an ideal moment. This is a moment that is in the, and the conditions in this moment are changing. So they, you know, even if at this moment you you think this is an ideal moment, it won't stay. <laughs> and so you're, you know, ideals, you can always, they're like marble statues or like these Buddha Rupas. You know, this Buddha Rupa here has been here for 25 years. And all the things that have happened at Chithurst in 25 years remains still beautifully equanimous to it all. And you can kick it and it won't, <laughs> it won't feel anything. <laughs> it's an ideal, it's an image, isn't it? It doesn't, it doesn't, it's not, it, you know, it's, it's, so it's beautiful and it inspires, but that's, it doesn't, we're, we're, we're not made of bronze or marble. We're not ideal. We're not ideals. So, so this is where you know when you attach to how things should be, then, then you're always going to be disappointed with life, with everything, because life is not an ideal. It's it's the way it is. It's karma. It's success and failure, praise and blame, happiness and suffering. It's changing, moving, flowing, old age, sickness, and death. Beautiful little babies that grow up and get old and die. And that's the way it is. That's not ideal, is it? But it's the way it is. So this awareness is, uh, it, you know, your, your Dhamma practice is noticing the way it is, paying attention to the way it is. not in comparison to some ideal of how it should be, but in terms of Dhamma, which is all conditions arise and cease. Sape, Tama, Anatta, all Dhamma is not self. There's no, you can't find yourself. You can't create, you know, any creation of yourself is, is not what you are. So it's learning to trust the awareness. That's the, that's the that's the path of liberation, learning to recognize 
and value and this simple imminence of awareness. And as you do that, as you rest in it, relax into it, it it's a, it's a, it's a, it's, you know, it's on, it's a stream, it's a flow, it's natural, it's not a creation, it's not an ideal. It doesn't get you high. It doesn't get you blissed out of your mind so that you're just uh, high as a kite. But it's cool. It's, it's, it has a, a quality of joy in it of, that is subtle. It's not like, you know, being high and happy and, and lost in a, in a realm of, of bliss. But it's, it's certainly recognizable as a natural state of being that it has, has this sense of coolness, calmness and a, and a, a kind of joyfulness that has to be experienced, you know, to recognize <laughs> not like what we generally think happiness or joy are. Oh.